This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I'll try to have my keepers by tomorrow. I'm still torn. Perfect. Yeah, that's not a problem. All right. We're good to go then. All righty. Three, two, one, eight. We are eight Miami Dolphins practices in the books. Welcome in to Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Mendel. And as always, I am joined by Josh Hiles. Before we get into all our news and notes uh, surrounding the quarterback room, surrounding the more injuries the Dolphins are trying to deal with, I need to tell y'all, please, 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 wherever you listen to this podcast, hit that subscribe button. And if you're interested, if you're motivated, if you're feeling it, hit that review button. Please leave a five-star review. Leave us a comment. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know how you're thinking. And if you don't want to do that, you can find us both on Twitter. Send us your you know, feelings, any news you see we didn't see. Any, any take you got, the hottest take you have, send it our way. We love, love, love to hear it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jmendel94, J-M-E-N-D-E-L, 94. And Houts is as simple as H-O-U-T-Z. And Josh, before we get into these quarterbacks that I think we are going to, we're never going to stop talking about them. I think it's just that simple. Um, I'm starting to get the feeling that for us, you know, these uh, us as fans who are willing to cover the team and, and kind of do it for a passion, uh, this is becoming a very, very tough season to really kind of get a pulse on anything. It is. It's a difficult season because, you know, everybody's restricted. Even the beat writers, they're unable to report everything, you know, the different positions and who's starting where. So it's a very difficult off season, but football is here. Uh, you know, we're, it's right around the corner. It's, it's crazy how quickly it's approaching. And, you know, you just take it one day at a time. Thankfully the, you know, the dolphins are allowing fans, some of these sites to get in on these zoom meetings. So we do have a pretty good understanding of how these players are feeling, you know, but overall it's, it's, the season's approaching quickly and the dolphins and their players and the coaches, they realize this and, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting 2020 season, but I think we're all ready. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. If we're buckling up and, and we're going on a ride, I mean, who, whoever's driving has to be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, 
Uh, there are some beat writers who say this over and over, and, and every time they say it, like, it's groundbreaking news. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starter to start the season. I don't think anybody is arguing that. I don't think that blows anybody's mind at this point. But there's still a lot we can learn. And in terms of quarterbacks, um, Tua doesn't suck anymore. He sucked last week, and, and that's over. Uh, Safid Dean of uh, Sun Sentinel, uh, he, threw, he threw out a tweet today, today being Wednesday, the 25th. Hey, guys, so today was Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's best day of practice. He threw three touchdowns, including a 70-yard bomb down the sideline of Malcolm Perry. Excuse me, that is from yesterday's practice, two days, Tuesday's practice. That's kind of what's tough because we're kind of stuck dealing with these, like, play-by-play, and, and we don't really kind of get a feel of, of what's happening each and every day. So we're stuck kind of just putting together these tweets and, and making the most of it. But, you know... Adapt or die, as they say. Uh, he wasn't afraid to take chances today and threw the ball away equally when necessary, too. Stock going up. This is like, if his stock's going up, it went up like, what, 0.5%? Like, like that's kind of the, the issue I see with this stuff. I mean, you want to make hype. Uh, you want to draw people into what you're trying to write and, and into this train camp. But, I mean, this, this pendulum of, of drama to excitement, it, it gets old kind of fast. Or at least it seems that way. And in years past, you know, we had fans that would attend these training camps and kind of give you a little bit of a neutral or even a fan look at what's going on in the field. So, yes, these beat writers, they have a job to do. And we realize as soon as practice is over, everyone's kind of rushing and, and sending out their, their latest article and, you know, tweeting out something catchy. So it's it's just very interesting for me and for I know for you to, to just see the way it's all unfolding. Because like you mentioned last week, to a ton of Iloa was a bust. You know, people were wondering. I, I saw some people questioning whether or not he was a special talent, like many people believed. And this was based after, I think, four padded practices. You know, it's now week two. Tua lit the world on fire yesterday. We heard about the three touchdowns, uh, two to Mac Hollins, and we know about his sweet afro, and then one to Malcolm Perry, which we'll talk about Malcolm Perry in a second here. But it's just funny to me how he went from, yes, one week he was this guy that was struggling. You know, he, is he going to even be able to battle with Rosen for that number two spot? And now this week, you know, he's been lights out. And, again, it has to put to rest that narrative. And I wrote an article at Five Reasons Sports about this, but it has to put to rest that narrative that, you know, Tua can't do it. You know, Tua's only successful because the talent he was surrounded with at Alabama. I mean, the guy's making plays with Malcolm Perry and Matt Collins, so I think it's time to put that to rest. I think the most interesting thing out of all this, and you're right, Brian Fitzpatrick is absolutely the starter heading into the season, but to me it's Josh Rosen, and I was able to sit in on his Zoom conference today and just to see the way he carries himself and how he handles the situations. You know, he was asked how he felt when the Dolphins drafted Tua, and he said, it is what it is. I just have to come out and try as hard as I can compete as hard as I can each and every day. We'll see what the future holds. I'm focusing on my development at the point. I think it's been going pretty well. And again, just the way Josh Rosen carried himself, um, we know he's from many standards, you know, beat writers are writing articles about it. From many observers there in Davie, they're saying that he looks like an entirely different person, you know, and he seems to be handling himself like an entirely different person. So for me, we all just need to take a step back, let it unfold, let Ryan Fitzpatrick take those beatings early in the season, and then if Tua Tagovailoa is ready, which it sounds like he's slowly starting to become, then he gets put in there. But I think Josh Rosen's anxious. You know, he even said, you know, when I get my opportunity, I'm going to seize the moment. So we'll see the way it plays <laughs> I out. But oh, yeah, I love we'll see the way that. it plays out. But worst case scenario, again, the Dolphins have two very good quarterbacks, and for a team that struggled to have any for 20 years, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and you want to keep your options open. I mean, worst case scenario, if, if Josh Rosen plays six games for the Dolphins over the next five years, I'm excited about that because not only does that show the Dolphins kept him, but it showed they trust him. 
You know, this is a guy who I think is is really stepping into a role of, you know, there's no more excuses. You know, it's my opportunity. I have to seize it, whether it's, you know, a result of injuries. We hear that all the time. Players who come out of nowhere uh, shine because a player goes down for a week and they just kind of lose their starting job. I mean, that's what happened to Tony Romo. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to make any comparisons, but I'm just saying that's how the NFL works. And, you know, having someone like Rosen on the roster is pretty exciting. I mean, he added this quote today saying, I'm a lot more comfortable comfortable behind center this year. I'm walking up to the line of scrimmage with a plan. I put a lot of work into the offseason. After I got benched, the final game against Washington, I did a mirror reality check. Completely turn inwards and see what I can do better. Nothing, nothing, nothing excites me more than hearing that, you know, you're walking up to the line of scrimmage with a plan. You're kind of being, I don't want to say aggressive because aggressiveness is is what you think about when you hear someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? He's going to throw a bunch of touchdowns, some great throws, but for every great throw, there's going to be an interception. But a plan, and then all you for a quarterback to be incredibly successful in the NFL, it's partially a plan. And a part of, uh, I believe it was a former Alabama player said about Tua, you need a little bit of magic. And I think Josh Rosen can do that with his uh, footwork. I think that is where his magic comes from. And I think that's really a possibility. But Josh, you know, we, we've spoken about Malcolm Perry, the touchdowns he's had. And, you know, we've I've kind of been the guy who, who's been saying, let's slow down on Malcolm Perry, right? Let's let's take it as it goes. He's a seventh round pick. He had some issues. He's still fumbling punts. These are all things that we need to realize that Malcolm Perry is a seventh round pick. But, you know, we also hear that someone like Miles Gaskin is having a very strong uh, preseason. I guess we can call it that. And so what I'm trying to get at here is we can't get, I mean, we can get excited about these Miles Gaskins and Malcolm Perry's playing well. But I think it's important to hear the other names with it. Um, I'm not going to get excited when Tua's name is mentioned with Malcolm Perry. I'm going to get excited when Ryan Fitzpatrick's name is mentioned with Malcolm Perry. Simply because... That means Malcolm Perry is getting first-team snaps. That means this coaching staff is putting a lot of trust into him. Yes, it's great to see him catching these 70-yard bombs and and making his uh, making these different statements, letting beat reporters have a reason to write out his name. But the second I see Malcolm Perry catching a pass or hear about him catching a pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's when I start to get really excited about what he can bring. Same with Miles Gaskin, another guy who is looking pretty well, but... You know, the, the key here is they're playing with second and third teamers. And in until we see, like, Miles Gasson break through a Kyle Vannoy tackle or, or Malcolm Perry beat, God, I mean, Byron Maxwell is kind of a high standard, but you hear Ryan Fitzpatrick threw a bomb to, to Malcolm Perry who, who beat Bobby McCain as the deep safety. Something like that is really going to get me jazzed up about these guys. Of course, I'm excited about them now, but I think that is really the key of when we can really start to – figure out where these guys fit on this roster. I think with any of these players, the thing that gets you the most excited is that it truly is an open competition, and all of these young guys have an opportunity to go out there and make their mark. You know, you mentioned Malcolm Perry. We know he played quarterback, you know, a little bit of running back. He lined up a wide receiver. Before, when we talked about Malcolm Perry, they did, there weren't these opportunities that we see now with Alan Hearns opting out and Albert Wilson. So I think that Malcolm Perry has an opportunity to go out there and, you know, seize this opportunity. And we see it happening in camp. And you're right. You'd rather see it with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You'd rather hear that he's there working with the ones. But, I mean, the way he adjusted and tracked down that ball yesterday that we saw from Tua was a thing of beauty, and he looked so natural. So a lot of people wanted to compare him to Julian Edelman. We know that the New England Patriots had interest in him. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they may have – they may have skipped to combine the one day to go work out with Malcolm Perry. The Dolphins ended up sniping him. I think he's going to line up all over the offense. And, 
I'm interested to see the, what Chan Gailey, uh, you know, has up his sleeve and to see what Malcolm Perry can do because with his mindset and, and what he can do on the field, I, I think, you know, big things are going to happen. Let me ask you this. Uh, what is the bigger story? How much we're hearing about Malcolm Perry or how much we're not hearing about Isaiah Ford? Man, I think it's a little bit of both. And I think, you know, it, it all goes back to just, you know, what have you done for me lately? We heard a lot about Isaiah Ford early on in camp. We heard that he was going to take that next step. He, you know, he had his Zoom interview with the, the media and he was just, I think the day before he was out there catching jugs at the end of practice, he was the last man in. So, you know, when you hear reports like that, if, if he does it day in and day out, I mean, are they going to continue to report on that? So maybe us not hearing about Isaiah Ford just means that, you know, he's got his head down and he's going out there and grinding every day. So, uh, it's hard to say. Again, we can only take what we hear from the media, and as we can tell, and as everyone that's on Twitter and you know all over social media, you can see that these beat writers—it's all in the eyes of the beholder. So, what mm-hmm. one beat writer might see, another one might take take differently and translate differently. So, take everything with a grain of salt. But sooner than later, you know, it, it's the season's quickly approaching, and I think we all again we just need to buckle up because it's going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah, and one of those beat writers, that was an excellent transition, Josh. My God, it's like you're you you host a podcast or something. Um Yeah, poorly. I, I host a podcast poorly. <laughs> so that, that was an unintentional perfect transition. Oh my god. Armando Salguero, Miami Herald. Uh, if you're a Dolphins fan, you already know who he is. Um he on a podcast said last week, I think it was the Miami Herald podcast, was kind of talking about how uh, at the start of this podcast, and, and I'm not doing a direct quote here, I didn't really write anything down, but When he spoke about the Dolphins, this training camp, he basically said how awful they were last training camp. And he was kind of surprised that this team looks kind of okay. You know, there's there's some exciting things to see, which is, you know, you can kind of argue against that, seeing how, you know, Laramie Tunsil uh, was still on the team. Those trades didn't really happen yet. Minka Fitzpatrick was still on the team. But, you know, he kind of just said that from top to bottom, you know, it's not as lack of the, the colorful words he used. It's not as bad. Like, like it's just that simple. So he really put together a story yesterday just kind of talking about the building blocks for this team has come together. The future is almost now. It's not here just yet, but in the sense of we spent some of our first-round picks. You see the talent. You see the depth. And uh, he used some Ryan Fitzpatrick quotes here that I, I thought were worth sharing. Uh, there's a lot of little things we're still working at. With no preseason games, not going against any other teams, we're trying to figure out early on in the season what our identity is going to be, the strengths, the weaknesses of our football team, and what we can lean on. But we know we've got two good guys outside. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. We're going to come back to it in a second. We've got a great offensive line. I, I wish I wish the sentence ended there, but that's not the case. We've got a great offensive line competition going on. Guys on the inside right now are fighting for playing time, and our backs are doing a great job as well. Obviously, he's not going to say, well, our backs are mediocre. The offensive line's the worst team in, or the worst in the league. Like obviously, you know he's going to hype up his guys, but it, it's still nice to hear. So as the season goes on, we're going to try to figure out who we are and play to our strengths. And I think that's something that's cons- consistently evolving early on, just as we figure out where we are as a team. Armando added, but so far the offensive line bigger and stronger than past units, which is kind of. I, I don't know how you can really say that right now, just kind of based on the fact they're not playing against other teams. Like it, it goes back to the year or the age old debate of, of just the offense play well, mean the defense stinks, the defense playing well, mean the offense stinks and all kinds of things like that. So I'm not going to put too much stock, but it seems like the dolphins are putting together a good run blocking unit was Armando's point. 
Uh, you know, we hear about Jordan Howard actually having a lot of good runs in camp. We talk about his vision, how great it is. Uh, we know the success he's had in the past. Fitzpatrick added that everywhere is a little bit different, but having two big guys on the outside with those qualities, they can go up and get the ball. They're good route runners. They're smart players. I think that makes it difficult for a defense not just being able to key in on one guy. The way we're working it right now, the way that those guys are showing up every day, it's given our offense and I think our team a lot of confidence going forward. Josh, with all that in mind, I think, you know, people are probably going to argue this, and, and I'm probably oversimplifying things quite a bit, but being a good team, being a good offense, isn't necessarily about the secrets and, and putting together the best game plan. I think a lot of it is defenses knowing what you're going to try to do and not being able to stop them. Something that comes to mind is Jarvis Landry's ability on third down, right? He made his living on, you know, everybody knows he's the Dolphins are going to Jarvis Landry on third down, but you can't stop them. So when you hear, you know, Fitzpatrick raving, raving, raving about Parker and Williams as the foundation of the offense, a uh, former first-round pick, a former uh, undrafted guy who's coming off an ACL uh, injury, who's actually coming along quite well this offseason, can they be Marshall and Decker? Can they be Demarius Thomas and Decker? Having a good offense, like I said, isn't built on secrets. These guys, I think, are two great scenarios of you just because you know Devontae Parker is a good player doesn't mean you can stop him or scheme against him. Just because Preston Williams is a good player doesn't mean you can necessarily stop him or scheme against him. Can the Dolphins really build their offense and have their identity of the future built on, you know, whether it's Tua, whether it's Patrick, on the Parker-Williams, uh, at least for a couple of years, duo that just is kind of like a cheat code in a sense? Damn, that's a lot to unfold. I mean, I think absolutely. And you mentioned those other tandems, you know, Marshall Decker, Thomas Decker. I think this unit can be better. And I think, you know, yes. all the reports all the reports early on, you know, it sounds like Preston Williams is above and beyond any expectations that people had for him. So to hear that and to just think that Devontae Parker could put together another, you know, season like he had last year, I mean, that those two guys, if they go out there and do what a lot of people hope, I mean, the future is bright. You, you mentioned the size, you know, Devontae Parker, 6'3", Preston Williams, 6'5". That doesn't even mention Mike Jasicki, and he's 6'6". Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Dolphins are just loaded with talent. I don't know how defenses are going to be able to to match up against that. And, obviously, I mean, you look at this offense. That is where the ball is going to go when, you know, they drop back and pass. But it's all going to be based on that run game, which is also based on the offensive line. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to unfold. I think the biggest thing that we all need to remember, and you touched on a little bit, is there is no preseason this year. You know, early on in the season, that is kind of the preseason. So in years past where you saw this carousel on the offensive line, these musical chairs, and, you know, they'd slide a guy over or move a guy inside and, and try to get the best five players, which that's what you continue to hear from everyone that talks to the media, whether it's coaches, whether it's the players, the best five are going to play. So... Early on in the year, it's going to it's gonna be a lot of plug and play, and they're going to have to figure out what units match. But I think when this thing all – when everything kind of plays out and things settle down, you know, Solomon Kinley is impressing. Everyone kind of thinks he's almost a shoo-in to play right guard, you know. Then you got Hunt and you got Jackson. I mean, the future is so bright, and I think it's going to be interesting to see the way they get out there and they play in some live game action. So when you bring it all back together – I'm excited about the Dolphins' offense, and I absolutely do believe that Devontae Parker and Preston Williams can carry this unit. And, you know, and I'm a Dolphins fan. I've never seen a great Dolphins team either in the sense of, you know, they haven't won a playoff game since 2000. I was born in 94. I was six. 
Um, and I've talked my into myself into a lot of teams, you know, uh, the, the Mike Wallace, Brian Hartline, uh, Brandon Gibson trio at uh, receiver. I really, you know, talked myself into. I, I Kenny Sills, Devontae Parker, Kenny and Drake, you know, that unit we thought uh, was the Dolphins were being talked about as one of the best, like, offensive weapon units in the league, right? And we're going to sit here and say Ryan Tannehill didn't have enough uh, help, but I digress. What I'm getting at is this year, I the only thing I'm asking about this group is, is there enough snaps to go around? And that is such a different mindset compared to years past where, you know, this is kind of their weakness, but this player's good at this, this player's good at this. When you have a unit that consists of Parker, Williams, and Jacecki, I don't know if there's enough snaps to go around because I think any week, any of those guys can control a game. And that doesn't mean the other is going to have zero targets and zero snaps. If, you know, Parker has seven catches, Williams has four, and Jacecki has three. I mean, it is what it is. And I think that's kind of exciting that that's my biggest concern is, is there enough targets to keep everyone engaged and or snaps? And, and that's kind of a little bit thrilling. Um, let's take a quick break here. And on the other side, we'll talk about some of the injuries the Dolphins have been dealing with. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, so more than anything, you know, we want to uncover all these different uh, depth chart ideas and, and diamonds in the rough. But more than anything, the preseason is generally about staying healthy. Uh, we already heard about uh, Vince Beagle going down for the year. And now another one, uh, another young pass rusher. We can't say defensive ends because Brian Flores would smack us over the back of the head. But Curtis Weaver was waived on Sunday because of a potential... Uh, Injury and basically the whispers because obviously uh, the Dolphins have kind of tightened up on things like this, but but it's a pretty serious foot injury is, is what kind of the whispers were. I think that was Joe Shad uh, was the one who said that um, Weaver. Uh, th- this was actually from your story, so I'm just going to quote you. Uh, I wish I could do your voice here. Weaver, the 164th overall pick in the 2020 draft, started two seasons at Boise, uh, 128 set, uh, tackles, 34 sacks, two interceptions, and three forced fumbles. Uh, he set a Mountain West Conference record with his 34 sacks. Pro Football Focus loved him. I think they had him as, you know, maybe a second-round pick, if not higher. Um, and this is a guy who I thought, with the talent at linebacker, uh, maybe even interior lineman in the secondary, I thought he would put be put in a great situation. I was ready to see, like, this as PFF's, like, flag in the ground of, we told you guys, like, we have been doing these grades, and while they're not, like, the Bible, we have some merit of we know what we're doing over here. I think he would have had a great opportunity. I think they couldn't believe he slipped all the way to the fifth round. I think that was the largest um, difference in terms of a high draft pick dropping that far for pro football focus. Uh, if you look up PFF and Curtis Weaver, there's a lot of great stuff on there, and I recommend checking it out. Uh Basically, I think he's going to go on IR. I think there's a way another team can sign him to the active roster, but but that kind of seems like where it's going. I'm sure uh, why, just when we finish right, uh, this podcast is when the news will kind of come out. Uh, Kyle Vinoy left training camp practice on Monday with an apparent injury. According to Omar Kelly, it was a shoulder, upper torso issue. Uh, 
It was in a one-on-one battle with Robert Hunt. He seemed to slip. But I did see that um, he was back on and practicing uh, later this week on Wednesday. Did, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, Josh. And uh, finally, uh, Noah Igbenogany practiced Wednesday. And Patrick Laird, who also practiced Wednesday, uh, didn't finish practice on Monday. So there's nothing to really fear there. I think it's important to just kind of keep a finger on these injuries because it's easy to forget about one day. I mean, it's just... Something we want to kind of keep our, keep on track here. Uh, Patrick Laird won. That should be a little bit concerning because Miles Gaskin, it seems like he's really coming on strong for that third running back spot, uh, especially as a late-round pick. They take a little – maybe they just need that extra year to get healthy. Uh, that's kind of it for injuries. Uh, if you don't have anything else to add to that, Josh, uh, if you want to talk to me about the pass rush, otherwise um, tell me about some injuries. Yeah, so Curtis Weaver, I mean, I think the reason it happened was – I believe under the new CBA, if you don't have four years of being in the NFL, you know, you're not a vested veteran. So you must pass through waivers in order to land on the injured reserve. So we should find out probably in about 20 minutes whether or not he cleared waivers and, you know, he landed on the Dolphins injured reserve. Uh, You mentioned Miles Gaskins pushing Patrick Laird. I mean, we haven't heard the same things about Patrick Laird as we have about Gaskin. We know that he is a speedster. We mentioned the production he had. In college, so this could be a guy that you know really impresses and really gets uh, you know makes the most of his opportunity. As far as the pass rush, I mean, it just keeps, seems like it, each day now, you know, every passing day, someone's going down, and the the pass rush wasn't that great to begin with. You know, there's a lot of pieces that we're excited about, but as far as these I'm guys proven. that have show consistency in the NFL and gone out there and you know consistently put up those sack numbers that you hope for, I mean, we just haven't seen it yet, so. Uh, you hope everybody's healthy, but with the 2020 season, you know, we mentioned how the first few weeks of the year are going to kind of be like a preseason. Injuries are going to happen, just like players are going to get put on the reserve list. So it, it's part of football. It's the way that teams overcome those injuries and overcome, you know, the hurdles and the obstacles that fall in their path throughout the 17-week season. That, that's what, you know, shapes them to be who they are. So um intrigued to see the way everything shapes out, but I think the Dolphins have a plan and you know, that's all we can That's all we can really say at this point. Uh, just just a couple updates here. Um, Van Noy did work in individual drills with a brace on his right hand on Wednesday, but he did not participate in team drills, instead running sprints. It's not considered a long-term injury. Running back Patrick Laird and receiver Jakeem Grant weren't at practice but don't have sin- serious injuries and are both day-to-day. Receiver Ricardo Lewis left with an injury. Again, those, I believe, are all from the Miami Health. Herald. We don't really have a yeah. pulse on this kind of stuff. Um, it's really hard to kind of get anything out of this uh, group from this kind of stuff. So that's really what we have here. And Yeah, and um, just real quick, Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network is uh, reporting that the Browns claim Curtis Weaver. So uh, there's that, you know, a promising young rookie. Again, like you said, I think he was one of pro football focuses like top 30 players. I mean, take that as you will. But this was a guy that a lot of people did not think was going to be there in the fifth round. Super talented. We don't know the how se- severe the injury is, but you know the Browns took a chance on him, and you know the Dolphins have to be feeling that at this point. Yeah, that that's that's pretty tough um, to kind of stick with the pass rush and and wrap it up here on Finsider Radio with uh, Jake and Josh. Um, someone, uh, buddy of mine, Rob Prophet, tweeted the other day. He's like, "Why haven't we heard about Shaq Lawson?" Well, here you go. Here it is. Uh, they uh, quarterbacks all wins. They faced heavy, heavy pressure. Uh, Emmanuel Agba, Shaq Lawson, and Jason Strobridge, excuse me, the other fifth-round pick, the one who, you know, I honestly haven't looked as much at as Curtis Weaver because I was just so excited about him. At least six passes were batted down, and they generated a consistent pass rush. 
Strobridge, uh, Saktua, Agba. Uh, it was dynamic, according to the Herald, breaking up a screen pass, beating Jesse Davis for a, flat, or a sack. Davis was flagged for holding on the play. That's kind of the, the Jesse Davis special, if you will. And then he deflected another pass. Uh, Lawson had two sacks. Um, it, it's kind of exciting to see these guys produce consistent pressure, something the Dolphins haven't had. I mean, even when they had Sue and Wake, uh, I don't think a consistent pass rush was something that the Dolphins had in the vocabulary. Um, Kyle, v- or excuse me, Andrew Van Ginkle also had a great day. Uh, two batted balls and an interception. And, you know, this is kind of what I was excited about. Van Ginkle, uh, Vince Beagle, Curtis Weaver. I think you were going to find whether it's guys who are playing 40 to 30% of snaps a game or, or on three to three down starter. I think these guys really have potential. And Van, uh, Van Ginkle is just one example of that, of who's really being that playmaker, you know, and I'm not talking about just someone who can make a tackle in the field, like a game changing playmaker. And and that is really what this is about. And, and that's kind of the position I'm in where this is someone where I can kind of, as someone who takes the back seat and lets everything play out, Van Ginkle's the guy who's really starting to excite me with with every move he's making against both first and second teamers. He is really stepping up. I mean, we saw it when he returned from injury in week 11 last year, and and he's just kind of running with his hair on fire. That long blonde hair is just all on fire. That beautiful, beautiful mane's on fire, and I'm with you. I mean, I'm excited, and it's funny because I I broke down, I think it was an AVG game against New England last year, and I put it on YouTube, and for some reason I'd always get these notifications in my email Everyone was watching this Andrew Van Ginkle video, and it just did not make sense to me. And I don't know if these were, you know, close friends of his, or I don't know. But to just hear about this blow up, we hear nothing but great things from the coaching staff. Another player you didn't even mention was Raekwon Davis. And I mean, I, I think oh, yeah. it was uh, Alfredo Ortega of three yards per carry. Someone asked him who looked the best on that defense. And I think he even mentioned it was Raekwon Davis. So. I mean, we saw how excited Brian Flores was for his signing. We know pairing him next to Christian Wilkins. You mentioned the the variety of pass rushers, the veterans, the rookies, the different combination they got there. I think one way or the other, they're going to find a way to get to the quarterback, and that's just the Brian Flores way. And, you know, it sucks that Curtis Weaver got claimed by the Browns, but the Dolphins, again, I think uh, it was a quote here from Brian Flores. Let me pull it up real quick. While you look up that, I mean, Raquan Davis, I mean, that's so great to hear because um, I think someone made a better uh, comparison on this than me, but I kind of think of Jordan Phillips in the sense of, you know, the the all the talents there. I mean, I'm not even talking about their play styles, but I just mean, like, all the talents there, and, and the issue is the motor. Like, are they going to do it all the time? And a Brian Flores system, we saw with um, Jordan Phillips real early, uh, if it doesn't work out well for you, see you later, that type of thing. So, I mean, it, it's so great to see someone like that really uh, give it 100%. Here's the quote from Brian Flores on Curtis Weaver. He says a lot goes into these decisions. The injury itself, players' performance, salary cap, next year's draft. There's a lot that goes into it. He's waived. He would get claimed. Uh, we'll see if we get him back. We'll know this evening. So that was obviously earlier this morning, but you kind of hear from Brian Flores. This isn't just a... 2020 thing you know they're looking down to, down the line at the 2021 draft you know at free agency at what they can do with the salary cap so this Curtis Weaver decision was a little bit bigger than just you know he was injured they were hoping he'd land on IR I mean maybe he wasn't ultimately going to make the roster who really knows but again you got to be excited for the Shaq Lawson's the Emmanuel Agbas you know Jerome Baker Kyle Van Noy AVG the list goes on and on I mean there's a lot of young players on this defense and with Brian Flores background with what we know that he can do 
in the NFL, I mean, I'm excited to watch all these pieces come, to come together and see the way they attack opposing quarterbacks. And that's kind of a wonderful point, too, because the Dolphins are so loaded with draft picks. And I think even with all these, even if the Dolphins have a pretty successful uh, year in terms of those edge rushers, I think they're still going to draft a guy pretty early, like a premier pass rusher. So, I mean, if you want to hold on to Curtis Weaver, use that roster spot all year, and then hope for next season, I I kind of understand where Flores is coming from, and I don't even know if he necessarily meant it that way because every time Flores talks, it is really just as simple as, you know, the best man will win, we're looking at the future, yada, 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 that type of stuff. But uh, that, that is still a great thing to hear. Uh, one last little note, the TNT wall isn't really a thing this year. Um, I think that has to do with uh, the way they're using the field because of the pandemic. Uh, that's kind of a bummer, but, you know, it is what it is. Josh, I think later this week we're going to shoot for a fantasy show, um, kind of give an idea of what Dolphins to draft, which ones to kind of hold off on, because I think the key is, and, and you know, everybody does it, you gravitate towards your favorite team's players. Obviously, you root for your players to win, and, and you know, it's just kind of a, a double whammy in that sense. Uh, so if you guys have made it this far in the podcast, this is your call to action. Shoot us your thoughts, and, and we want you guys to be a part of the show, um, whether it's a podcast review, whether it's on Twitter, at Houts, at jmendel94, uh, at the Finsider. Send us your thoughts in terms of fantasy regarding the Miami Dolphins on offense, because sometime this weekend you'll be seeing a podcast uh, pop up on your phone about that. Uh, I think this is one of the more exciting ones we do as fantasy football players. You're more of a fantasy nerd than I am, but that that just kind of seems like something that is a real sign that the season's coming. You know, not only is it August 25th, and that's a big sign, you got your fantasy drafts coming up, and, and that's usually that the season's right around the corner. Yeah, this time of the year we know that it's, you know, mad in fantasy drafts. Like you said, I'm a huge fantasy nerd. I have my first, you know, real big draft besides Dan- Dynasty tomorrow night. So I'm excited. So shoot us any questions you have right before we get off the air. Let me just say the Miami Dolphins just announced that they've officially re-signed linebacker Trent Harris. We know he was with the team a little bit last year. He got some reps in. Dolphins have brought him back officially now. So, um, you know, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, you know, leave us messages on Twitter. I am at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. Jake is at J Mendel, M-E-N-D-E-L 94. For the Finsider Radio Podcast, this is the Jake and Josh Show. Most importantly, Jake, Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.